On with a Rye. Support for On One comes from Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com backslash Angela. I tried it and I know it. It's good. We're all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is to fight. Pray they see God and everything I write here. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited about today's very special episode of On One. I had the great privilege of on Tuesday night of joining Gabrielle Union, Lisa Ling, and we had a dynamic moderator who joined us and um, helped kind of keep the conversation flow named Danya Bacchus. We had an amazing conversation at North Carolina A&T State University, which, as you all know, or as you all may know, is the nation's largest HBCU. It was an amazing conversation on women's issues. So this podcast is dedicated to all my sisters. Brothers, you should also check it out. This is a great conversation for you to be up on what's really going on for you to reclaim your feminist card. For women and men and everyone who's gender neutral, I felt like I was having a conversation with my sister girls. I loved every moment of this conversation of the vulnerability, us talking about insecurities and confidence and self-worth and how to ensure that we're always protecting ourselves in the business place, pursuing our passions, living out our full missions. And it was just something that I am dying to share with you all. So North Carolina, a and and Lisa and Gabrielle and Danya, let us record this special edition of On One. Um, I hope that this touches your life in the same way that it touched mine. Um, I hope that you all will invite your friends to have the same types of conversation. I loved every moment of this. We laughed. We nearly cried. Um, and we truly shared ourselves. We were very vulnerable. So I hope you appreciate this as much as um, I appreciated doing it and being able to share with the amazing students, faculty, and the administration of North Carolina A&T. Today's episode of On One. Here you go. Good evening. In 1928, North Carolina A&T State University became a co-educational institution and began admitting women nearly 35 years after admitting men. In the 89 years since women began studying in our classrooms, we have seen such dramatic growth in the education of women on our campus, in our community, in our nation. But there is still much work to be done. This work begins with acknowledging what many of us recognize as issues that plague women today. Issues like gender discrimination and underrepresentation, poverty and gender pay gap, domestic violence and sexual assault. These issues are multiple, and when they are applied to women of color, they soar to different levels of consideration. More than 56% of current students at North Carolina NT State University identify as women and 55% of current employees identify as women. The issues faced by these women are not their issues. These are not your issues. These are indeed our issues. As an institution of higher learning committed to improving the enrichment 
of the lives of all of our students and stakeholders, we commit to doing the work. That work begins with having thoughtful conversations about the issues and how to impact our women. We have already had incredible, robust, and engaging and enlightening discussions just today with students and administrators in focus groups examining topics such as physical and emotional wellness, political and social justice, and immigration legislation. I am excited and indeed pleased about the continuing dialogue with our esteemed panelists, with dynamic moderator, who is an alumnus of this great institution. At this time, please welcome North Carolina ENT alumnus and our moderator for this evening, Ms. Dunya Bacchus. The words listed behind me on the banners all describe the things women are, strong, fearless, woke, extraordinary, confident, change agents, phenomenal. Maya Angelou wrote, I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say it's the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care, because I'm a woman. Phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. What's up, Aggies? <laughs> Can I get an Aggie pride? Aggie pride. I said Aggie pride. Happy to be home, to be back in Aggieland. This is where my dream of becoming a journalist started, where I had mentors and a community of people who encouraged, who inspired me, and who continue to support me today. That's why I am so happy to be here with you this evening as we get ready to have a discussion with three dynamic and phenomenal women. I know that's what you're here for, so let's go ahead and get this discussion started. All right, we ready? <laughs> Let me do this one more time because I, we were telling them in the back how we do it as Aggies so that they can do this too. Can I get an Aggie fry? Aggie fry! All right, we'll show them how we do it here. Our first panelist began her journalism career as a correspondent for Channel One News at just 21 years old. She has covered dozens of stories around the world, including the civil war in Afghanistan, gang rape in the Congo, the Lord's Resistance Army in Uganda, as well as often ignored issues. She currently serves as the executive producer and host of This Is Life on CNN, where she explores unconventional lifestyles styles, subcultures, and communities. Ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Ling. Our second panelist is one of Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40 Women to Watch. Let me get through the intro. <laughs> She's a leading political strategist, an advocate for social change, a political commentator, a champion of civil rights, entrepreneur, and attorney. She is committed to ensuring positive change in the political process by building relationships for corporations, unions, nonprofits, and elected officials. Help me welcome Angela Rye. <laughs> Our
our final panelist is the star. How did I know you guys were going to do that? Our final panelist is the star of BET's Being Mary Jane. She has been featured in big screen productions, including the Think Like a Man franchise, Top 5, and Tyler Perry's Daddy's Little Girls. She is a passionate advocate for survivors of rape and sexual assault, an ambassador for the Susan G. Komen Foundation, a brand ambassador for Neutrogena, and has recently teamed with New York and Company for her own clothing line. Welcome, Gabrielle Union. Ladies, welcome to Aggie Land. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you. The first topic, and I do want to let you guys know, these ladies have already said that they are here to be candid and open, and there's no holds bar. So we will have a, a live and a very real discussion um, about some serious issues affecting us today. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the first topic, which is health and welfare. Uh, right now, a prominent study that was published recently says that one quarter of women between 16 and 25, which is the majority of women in this room right now, are actually suffering from some common mental health issues with social media contributing to their anxiety and depression. Gabrielle, I'll start with you. This is a selfie generation where many people are looking at lives and images that are filtered through Snapchat, through Instagram. How do you deal by the pressure of these stressors and what do you think young women in particular need to hear about measuring themselves against what they see on social media? Well, first and foremost, nothing that you see is real. Oh my God. <laughs> let, me be, let me be brutally honest. There's, uh, there's apps called Facetune. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things you could do to doctor photos. You meet people in real life, you're like, oh, oh life without a, the, the pretty filter on Snapchat. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> So what you, what you think you're comparing yourself to doesn't actually exist. What's making you insecure, um, depressed, anxious is, is a farce. So you living your best life is you living, should be you living your best life. Don't compare it to anybody else. The cars that you see, those are leased at best. The, the wads of cash, nobody who makes real money works in cash, so that's a farce. That goes back. The home's rented. You know what I mean? When you see somebody and they just, they're just starting to, to get going in their career and you see they have some big mansion, hmm, might not last. So many people I came up with have dealt with bankruptcy, um, uh, things being repossessed because we were so worried about keeping up with the Joneses and keeping up with appearances that you overextend yourself when you're just getting started. I know I left college in debt, mainly because I used my student loan money, not for books or, or my tuition, but at the mall, <laughs> trying to keep up with people who don't, didn't even know I existed. So we have to really be very brutally honest about what it is that we think we need to live up to. Because no one's gonna Snapchat their breakdown. 
do you, you know, think that we need to though? I feel well, like sometimes we need to Snapchat those things well, and to do that on Twitter today, to show the I was realness. Snapchatting I, when I said I don't know if anyone follows me on Snapchat. But <laughs> this, you know, Angela was like, "Girl, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm I'm having a little moment right now, and I think I need to go to the gym." Um, and on Snapchat, I said, when anxiety gets the best of me, this is what I do. And, I, and it was me on the treadmill. And had I, had I kept it going, you would have seen the tears. Because that was my real moment today. And I thought, maybe just talking about anxiety, okay, maybe that's enough for them. But maybe I should have shown you my, my full breakdown on the treadmill today. Because that would be real. Yeah, and, and for me, it's true. I've, I've always um, said that people, your, your social media profile is the life you want people to believe that you live. Because it's true, every picture that, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like I don't post bad pictures of myself on my social media, you know, but I, but I think that um, at a certain point, and I, as a mother, it really scares me because I have young kids also who are growing up being addicted to, to their phones and their social media is also, you know, have this, the sense to kind of take a break from it because I think that we are communicating with one another so much less than before we had these devices. And I think that that's really starting to affect us as a culture. You know, when we're sitting at, at, at dinner parties or sitting, you know, with, with friends and we're on, on Facebook or watching someone else's life, like, what does that say about your relationships with each other or how much you value your friends? Right. And so while I think it's really important to um, be your true self as much as you feel willing to put out there, I also think that restraint and refrain is also something that we should be thinking about more often because I know, and I'm as addicted to, as anyone to social media, but I often, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be looking at social media and I feel bad when I'm looking at other people's lives, and you know, I have a pretty decent life, right? But I feel bad looking at all these other people's lives because they're, they're posting these completely perfect images and it's sometimes inconceivable. No one knows the reality behind that. So restraint and refrain is something that I, I, I think we should all promote a little more. It's that constant comparison, I think. They say comparison is the thief of joy, right? When you're constantly comparing your life to what you see in those images, Angela? Um, yeah, I don't know that um, I struggle as much with comparing myself to other people. I think I err on the side of sharing too much, and I'm learning now that I don't need to necessarily share as much, but that's what happens when you grow up with a dad who didn't have a filter. My mom still has hope for me. She says mine is just broken. So, <laughs> not, and I'm not talking about a Snapchat filter. I'm talking about everything comes out of my mouth. Um, but I think that there is some um, something to be said about being honest with people about where you are. And I need to apologize to Gabrielle because you did tell me that and then I thought you had it on lock, so my bad, because I should have been like, girl, are you okay? You need me to come down there? You know, um, but, and I, and I say that seriously, I think one of the most important things that we can do as women and for the young men and folks who are gender neutral in the audience, I would say to you, it's important to have a circle around you who you can just be honest with. Um, I didn't have an anxiety moment today, but I had one yesterday. My assistant is out. Uh, somebody else that works on my podcast, her uncle just passed. You know how just everything starts crashing down at once and you feel like you're smothered. For you all, it might be, you know, all your class assignments are due at the same time. Sometimes because we waited till the last minute. That's kind of what happened to me yesterday, just keeping it honest. And what, what you realize is, like, there's too much for me to, to bear. It's too much weight for me to carry. 
And I don't want to be uber spiritual, but I'm going to be slightly spiritual. I had a moment in church on Sunday where the reminder was just, it's not mine to carry alone. And it's not just... <laughs> That's the old, old lady church rock. It was kind of fast. But um, it's not just on God either. He surrounds you with people who are there to help you carry your load. And um, I think that's an important reminder for us as well. Despite what's happening on a filter or somebody else's life, as Lisa talked about, or even the anxiety that we carry ourselves, we're not in this alone. And we're, even when we feel like we are on the scroll, you're still not alone. And so if you put the device down, even in here today, all these phones up right now, <laughs> and you look around, you see that you're not alone. No, and I think I think it's important, um, you know, people that we know and, and that you guys are familiar with. Uh, my little brother Terrence J, who's an Aggie alum, you know, and I, I hope you guys all follow him on Snap. And when you see that house that TJ has, what you don't see are all the years TJ was told, "No, yep. oh God, no, yep. not you, never you," mm-hmm. and he was living hand to mouth. How many dudes would be in, like, like, I mean, a group of dudes living in, like, a two-bedroom apartment trying to make ends meet? Saving. Saving, saving, saving. All the times he was told, um, you know, he was trying to break into acting. And they were like, nope, you don't have it yet. You don't have it yet. You don't have it yet. All the times he was trying to produce things. Nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, you got this. You're smart. You got it. It's right, the breakthrough is right around the corner. And because we created that group... Of that support system that encourages people to save and not spend every bit of a check that you just got on something to, to, to flaunt on social media. So now when I see him, you know, hosting parties at that house and he's got his dogs and he's got his girl, I know the journey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you guys need to understand for, for so many of us, when we do show you, you know, something that, that we're real proud of, what we probably should also add is the caveat. This is how many years I ate Top Ramen um, to save. This is how many years I lived below my, my standard, you know, well below my standard of living because that, that, I could use, that I could have lived because I wanted more later. I didn't want to have it all right now. This is what my hair looks like when I, I tried to do it myself. Because um, I, I, I couldn't afford to go to the hairstylist every you week. Today. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what you were talking about today. I was like, girl, I forgot my, my, my hair bag. What you got down there? Um, you know. But I think the more that we're honest with each other, yeah. I don't have it today. I don't feel like talking today. I'm struggling today. This is what's happening with my parents. This is what's happening with my siblings. This is what's happening in my community. And this is how it makes me feel. And you're not weak for, 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 for admitting that you have anxiety or depression or, or any, any, any type of mental health issue. It's empowering the more that we talk about it because you feel like you have a support system and that you're not alone. That's what we're, we're, we're all trying to drive home. You're not alone. Everything that you're experiencing, we've all experienced. You don't always want to hear it from us, and we, don't, we also don't always show it via social media, but we've been on the same journey. We've, been, we've had the same struggles. So don't look at the end result. Ask the people, what was your journey? What took you there? How did you get there? How many times did they say no? How many, intern, how many internships didn't work out before the big gig? You know what I mean? Thanks again to Talkspace for supporting today's episode of On One. We have got to take better care of ourselves, y'all. And our mental health is not an exception. We go to the gym to work out, to get our bodies right. 
We have to take care of our mental space. And one of the best ways to do it is Talkspace, one of today's sponsors, which is an online therapy company and makes it easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you can pick based on your own preferences for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. You can send your therapist text messages, audio messages, and video messages. You can also do a live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com backslash Angela. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code Angela, just so you spell it right, A-N-G-E-L-A, to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this podcast. Do it today. Get your $30 off using coupon code Angela. That's code A-N-G-E-L-A and Talkspace.com backslash Angela. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. You know, we busy. Get them hours in. Take care of your mental. I want to know, turn now to our second topic, which is representation and success. Um, let's talk about the workforce. Data shows that there are 74.5 million women in the American workforce. That's nearly half. Yet women are held to different standards of behavior. Men are considered assertive when women are aggressive. Men are called direct and women are called bitchy. Lisa, why do you think that these double standards persist and how do you combat this way of thinking in your work? I think the double standard exists because men are still running things for the most part. And I don't think that there's malicious intention behind it, but I think that uh, sometimes they just don't, don't see you. And, and as an Asian woman, uh, I always grew up with this saying, the nail that sticks out gets hammered down, meaning like, don't speak up, just be grateful for that, for everything that you have. So I've gone through life being so grateful for every opportunity. And it's funny because in, in our business, we have agents who represent, represent us and do our negotiating. And my agent has even said to me, let me do your negotiating because you will sell yourself short. Because I love what I do so much that I would do it for free uh, because I'm so passionate about it and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I'm, uh, I could probably be all of your all's mother, <laughs> but um, it wasn't really wasn't until pretty recently that I got up the courage to stand up for myself in the negotiating room. Uh, it, it, I, I, I'm not going to mention the place where I worked, but there was a, mo a, a time when I got a call that they were going to announce all the shows that were being re-upped, so uh, are going to get a second and third season. And an executive from this network called me and said, so at the upfront, which is where all the networks announce their new shows and what shows are getting renewed, they, uh, she said, well, we're going to announce that you're getting another season, but this man, this man, and this man are getting a, an additional season. We're going to announce that too. And I said, oh, well, that's, that's very white and male of you. <laughs> um, and I, I never wanted to play that gender ethnicity card. I never, never did. But, and I wouldn't have if my, if the ratings for my show were not equal, if not better than some of those guys they mentioned. So I called my agent and I said, you tell this outlet that when I'm at the upfront, if people ask me why my show didn't get renewed for an additional season, I will say to them, well, maybe it's because I'm not white and male enough. And uh, I got a call a little while later that I was going to get another season. 
<laughs> and I, and again, like I honestly don't think that it was malicious. I just think that they didn't didn't see me, and so I had to make myself, uh, you know, I had to make them aware that I'm not. I, I, I'm going to from this point on stand up for myself. And Lisa, you, the, sorry, no, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> to your point, though, I think. Sometimes we give people too much credit in that you're saying, like, I don't think it was malicious. It may not have been a malicious intent, but it was malicious impact. And right. I think that we have to acknowledge that that's just as treacherous and dangerous. The other thing is about playing a card. It's not playing a card if it's just the truth, right? Like, we live in a white male-dominated society, and until folks deal with the impact of that and the adverse impact it has on people of color, particularly women of color, it just is what it is. Um, one of the things that uh, we talked about getting um, crazy comments on our social media, one of the things that I get often is that I'm a race baiter, a race hustler, I don't know what that means, um, and that I'm always playing the race card and I'm hateful. And and I found out, because I just engaged one, I did engage a lot, probably way too much, Lisa, you might need to help <laughs> me through that. But um, one time I just, I said, what, what does that mean? You know, explain that to me. How does that, what, tell me your paradigm for this. And basically it's like if you say I'm black or there's racism or black lives matter or some variation thereof, you're racist. That's the new definition. Right. I'm not going to take the remix either. So the point, the point that I'm raising is it's okay for us to call a fact a fact. Right. Like y'all, that's your issue. That's not my issue. I'm going to navigate through it as you have through your career and you got your second season. But we have to ensure that we're calling it for what it is, because it may end up opening a door for somebody else. Jumping. Yeah, please. Um. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to call Angela to represent me next time. <laughs> I'll give him talking points. <laughs> Jump, jumping on that, like if, if we're going to call out facts, it's not just women that are um, deemed bitchy if they are assertive. Black women, women of color, have an added layer yeah. that when you speak in the most kind, benevolent <laughs> way, if you are saying something that someone on the other side doesn't particularly want to hear, <laughs> what it sounds like is, let me tell you one thing, okay? Because when you're like, oh, I'm, I feel unsafe. <laughs> what? When I, when I teach our boys that in, our, in my household to stand up for themselves and to advocate for themselves, it's very threatening, it's very aggressive. But their best friend who did the exact same thing is a natural born leader. Mm -hmm. Great. So let's not get that mix, mixed up. It's, it's different. It's very different. I know you guys all watch Insecure. <laughs> so when Molly was at work trying to help old girl, you know, in her office, like, you know, that's, that's real. It's incredibly unfortunate that we can't show passion for our jobs mm -hmm. or articulate facts that is, that is well in evidence without being deemed aggressive and assertive and it being, it really legit being held against us to come uh, evaluation time. All of this is very real. Mastering the art of tone. 
I don't have that. <laughs> you know, like, it's not my strong suit, which is why Mary Jane has so many outbursts. Um, but but it's it, that's very that is very real. In 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 no matter how you present yourself, the how it's interpreted is is bizarre. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a voice of uh, Nala on The Lion King, right? So I do very little on the show. Pretty much it's like, Kion, look out below, there's an elephant, whatever. <laughs> so there was one day where they were like, um, so, you know, Gabrielle, you know, you, we, we need uh, Nala to be very worried. Um, you're calling to your son. He's, you know, about to fall down a gorge. And actually, Kion, look out below. Oh, whoa. I feel like she's going to hit him with a hairbrush. What? <laughs> what? What? Okay. Kion. <laughs> look out below. Whoa. I mean, look, look, just take it all the way down. You're just very concerned. I'm like, okay. This is how, when you think about Sa Sandra Bland and her talking passionately, literally for her life, we didn't know it, she didn't know it then, but how it is perceived, how our voices, how our passion, how our pleas are perceived. Not only does that have an effect at, in the workplace, in our relationships, but literally it can mean the difference between life and death. That's something we never talk about when it comes to men and women in the workplace, not even getting into the, the pay gap, not even getting into, you know, when, when, you know, some of our Hollywood's biggest actresses are like, oh my God, the pay gap. And I'm like, pass the mic back because there's a bunch of us that make even less than you. Uh, never mind. There's this little thing called intersection. Never mind. Never mind. You know, you are spot on when we're, because that next question is coming up about the gender pay gap. Um, Unfortunately, it looks like it seems to be narrowing for younger adults between 25 and 34, but it's still persistent in other groups. Um, women are in the workforce, we're there, we are in higher paying jobs, but education doesn't even help us out when it comes to getting the pay that we actually deserve. Um, Angela, I'll start with you on this one. Why do you think that these disparities in that gender um, pay gap exist? I think Lisa um, kind of hit this on the nail on the head on this already. Um, it's because of who runs uh, the workplaces and who makes those decisions. Um, there are pay gaps not just in corporations. There are pay gaps when you're a, contra a contractor or a consultant. I have my own political advocacy firm, and there are pay gaps that exist for consultants. So I'm just like, so do you pay me based on, like you think that if I make 63 cents on the dollar here, you think I should be paid 63 cents on a dollar for developing some partnership with black members of Congress? Is that how you see this? You know, it's, it's the same. And so I think that uh, when you hear people saying, even just thinking about Sandra Bland and what you said was so compelling, when you hear people say black lives matter, black pay matters too, and we are, when you're, that, that, that mantra to me is so comprehensive because there are so many spaces where we're constantly having to justify and advocate for ourselves and demonstrate to you that not only do we matter, but our work is on par and it's above and it's, and it's excellent. And there are these conversations that happen regularly in corporate America, even about vendors. It's like, oh, we'll hire them if they're qualified. What but you didn't mean? have to say that when we were talking about the white vendor. You didn't have to say if they are qualified, if she is qualified, if he is qualified. That's a, a modifier that you put just on us. Why? 
right? And so those are, I think, the types of stereotypes that we're up against in the workplace, in schools, right? It's the reason why, um, and I talked about this earlier in the smaller group, the president of the United States could say HBCUs are unconstitutional, right? It's not based on any type of fact. It's just because he decided that they are less than, and he doesn't have any... Well, let me not go down that road. I'll talk to y'all about that after. <laughs> but Angela, I do, I do think that part of the reason, to a lesser extent, is that, that women are less inclined to stand up for themselves as much as men do. You know, I think that, I, that as historically, women have been more grateful and appreciative of whatever progress they make, and so they've been less willing to, to stand up for themselves. And I'm hoping that that changes with your generation. <laughs> when did you guys have that aha moment that I am worth this and I should be comfortable and confident in asking for that? Did that come in a certain time? Was there a light bulb that went out, or did you just kind of start to feel that inner strength to fight for what you feel like you're worth? I mean, for me, when I, I recognized that there was parity and, and my work was comparable, if not out, you know, performing better than my male counterparts, for me, it was really, that was my aha moment. And I just sort of scratched my head and said, so why is not, why are we not receiving equal pay and equal promotion? Yeah. I mean, it, it, and again, not to keep quoting Insecure, but that's my jam. Um, <laughs> but it, like how Molly found out right. when she accidentally got somebody else's check on set, um, somebody was talking about what they made for the job. And I was like, you, you, what? Based on what are you making so much more than me? Because I have this history and you can quantify what my participation in each project actually translated into in dollars and cents. But I don't know what equation they're using for you. Because it's, it's nothing even close, and you're making so much more. And, you know, thank God for people who love to brag, because that's the only way you would know. And then they started, like, actually posting what people make publicly. Well, you know, when, you know? when the, the Hollywood studio Sony got yes, hacked, it, right. it took mm -hmm. the North Koreans to hack into Sony <laughs> for people to recognize that men were, were getting so paid so bad. much more than women mm -hmm. who, who, who got comparable, uh, you know, Perform comparably. Yeah, for le for less work, for less days on set, and they are not required to do the same amount of press. Mm. So you're paying them more for what exactly? Because women make up such a massive part of the the you know the viewers. So it, there's it's arbitrary, and unless you somehow by chance find out, think I mean think the North Korea. Um, <laughs> you just would never know. And they make you feel like if you say anything, you will be replaced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. But that's that, I think that's that isolation again, when folks feel like they're alone. So um, there have been a number of situations where me and other consultants or me and other commentators, we talk about what we make. Um, and that's the only way to really be accountable. Like you need to know what your worth and what your perceived worth is in every space that you go into, whether it's your next internship or your job, whatever your, your offer letter is, compare it with someone. And don't be ashamed to do that. You can only get better. Um, I had a, um, a mentor that was a part of the NAACP AXO program that coached us in Seattle. And she told us the worst thing they can do is say no. And that's literally been what I run with throughout my life. I think I was born 
kind of advocating. And so most of my friends will talk to me about how to advocate for themselves at work or, you know, getting contracts or that kind of thing. Like, I think I'm getting shortchanged. I'd be like, absolutely. Go in and ask for a million. You, the worst thing that can happen is they seriously, the worst thing that can happen is they say no. If they say no, because you, you know, believed you were worth more than you really are. Oh, well, cut it back a little bit. But you'll get to yes. Or they'll meet you halfway. Or they'll give you what you want. But you'll never know until you you ask. Right. Or you can walk. Or you can walk. That's true. You can walk. Let's go on to our third topic, which is safety and survival. Um, According to two U.S. Department of Justice reports, one in five women is sexually assaulted while in college. Um, At least 80% of sexual assault victims on college campuses don't actually report those assaults. Uh, Gabrielle, I'll start with you on this one. What is your your message to women who struggle with any of these thoughts, and how do you think we can better support the voice of victims on college campuses? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I mean, I've talked about it at, you know, at, at length many times. I, I am a sexual assault survivor. I was raped uh, at work while I was at 19, while I was in college. Um, but I was lucky, and you hate to use the word lucky when you're discussing rape, sexual assault, um, that I was lucky to be raped in a wealthy community with an underworked police department, with an underutilized rape crisis center. Um, I was immediately supported. I had the luxury of stranger rape. Um, Not that that that, um, stopped the questions of, well, what did you have on at work? um, But I was believed there was there was immediate support and sympathy and and a a rallying around me. Um, When I got to UCLA and and joined group therapy for other uh, survivors of sexual assault, um, I was the only stranger rape and the group was was made up of people who had survived acquaintance rape, um, parental rape, um, you know, rape by relatives or uh, boyfriends, girlfriends, um, and the amount of shame that surrounded uh, our discussions was intense. And ever since I started talking about being a survivor publicly, the amount of it happened to me too. From men, women, children, seniors. Um, when they say rape is the most underreported crime in the world, if, the, if, that, if that large of a statement can be an understatement, I can't drive that, that, that home enough. We're in your audience right now. We're sitting next to you. We are related to you. We are married to you. We are in your dorms. We're in your classes. So all I can say is you are not alone. There is zero shame. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't have it coming. You didn't ask for it. You are strong that you are here. And you're strong when you're having a breakdown. You're strong as you suffer from post-traumatic stress syndrome while, you know, dealing with a full course load. But I can't say it enough. You are not alone. There is help. There is no shame. And the sooner that we recognize that as a community especially in, in communities of color, where there is so much shame around mental health, there's so much shame around healing and what healing is supposed to look like and the timetable that you're supposed to be healed and back to normal. We gotta give each other a break. We gotta stop judging people. Rape jokes should be non-existent. Um, just, I don't know how familiar you guys are with um, the young woman that was found in the freezer in Chicago. Tamika. 
Kanika Jenkins. Um, if I hear one more thing about, well, the kind of company you keep, and nobody asks to be raped ever, ever, it is that clear. Rape is not about sex, rape is not about accessibility, rape is not about options, rape is about control and violence, period. But I can't say it enough, we are in this audience, you love us, we're the people you respect, we're the people that nothing bad ever happens to her or him. And when we are open about needing help or getting help or having received help, Please don't judge us. Please encourage us. Please love us openly, unconditionally, because we're here. And you know us. So we're just, I think, coming out of, at least emotionally, what happened in Charlottesville. And we know that racial violence um, has seen an increase as a result of this new administration that started during the, the campaign. I am going to go into this administration a little bit now. With 63% of rapes not being reported in this country, we know that sexual violence is also a real thing. And it's unfortunate that this administration uh, the same person that was talking about grabbing women by the pussy, that's what he said, on tape, is now seeing it appropriate to dial back Title IX protections, which would allow for sexual assault to run rampant on college campuses. So when Gabrielle is saying we're in your classes, that number could very well increase as a result of the, the decisions being made by this administration and his genius Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. I'm raising that because I think it's very appropriate on a college campus for this to be addressed. This is the time for you all, sexual assault survivors, to be bold and brave and say on behalf of my sisters and my brothers and the company I keep on this campus, I can't let this happen. I am not a victim of sexual assault, but I can't imagine what that was like for Gabrielle. She just told you that she was the same age as Kanika Jenkins. And I'm not shaming her for the friends she kept, but I am shaming her friends for taking money to allow that to happen, if that is indeed what happened, and for taking her phone and her mother's car keys and leaving that girl high and dry. We can't do that to each other. We have to have each other's backs. But we also have to ensure that people respect each other's boundaries, that no means no, and that you're not allowing and creating environments for sexual assault to run rampant. That cannot be the answer. That cannot be it. I mean, all I'll say, because you both um, talked about that beautifully, is if, if you don't already have a rape survivor support group, um, you need to establish one because uh, as someone who's reported on rape far too many times, it is scary. It's terrifying. And once you go to authorities, it opens you up to a whole a whole additional level of interrogation. And sometimes the outcomes are not positive. 
You know, you think that the that law enforcement is going to be on your side, but often it's not. Mm. So if there is a support system of people who can advocate for you, um, that's a really important thing to have. So if you don't have anything like that or don't have access or aren't aware of uh, a, a support group like this where you can uh, find access to advocates, then someone should start one. You mentioned reporting on this issue. I know you've also reported on human trafficking. Um, when we talk, the media, it's reported that it's known as modern slavery, um, practically, that crime disproportionately affecting women and children should be addressed as such. Um, how do you think that we change the narrative so that more attention and support is brought specifically on assisting women and children who are victims of human trafficking? Well, I think when we hear the term human trafficking, we think about women from different countries being moved into different cities uh, across this country, around the world, but the reality is that human trafficking and sex trafficking is rampant amongst Americans. It's just generally not called sex trafficking when it comes to American girls, it's called prostitution. Mm -hmm. And when we think of the word prostitution, it conjures up images of women who are voluntarily out there selling themselves, but as we all know, most of those women and, and girls who are out there come from devastating home lives. They've never been told, I, I love you, I'll take care of you by a positive male influence. And they're out there vulnerable prey to people who look specifically to exploit those vulnerabilities. And I'm not just talking about poor girls from low-income communities. I'm just talking about insecure girls who may feel insecure about social media, whatever. And so these, these guys come around and they say, hey, pretty girl, I want to I take you to buy you all the things that all the other girls have. And I want to take care of you. I love you. Now do something for me. And that's how the cycle starts. And I think that one of the ways we can start to reframe the issue is by acknowledging that those men who exploit these women, these pimps, um, are slave owners. Because these women who are out there working and doing things that we can't even imagine, they don't earn a cent. Every penny that they make goes into the hands of their pimp. And if you don't call that slave ownership in 2017, I don't know what else you call it. So rather than like, you know, it being a, a positive word, you know, what up, pimp? Like, what if you change it up to say, what up, slave owner? Because <laughs> it kind of changes the way you think about it. You know, it's not such a positive word. No. I, mean, I don't also, think when they say what a pimp, they're talking to one of those, though, right? They? But no, you're right. But I think just <laughs> like don't go around calling people slave and you might get back slapped. I know. <laughs> but I but I think it's I think it's unfortunate that a word like that has yeah. come to have a positive connotation mm -hmm. because the reality is that that yeah that that word. Um, means a certain thing, that someone who exploits people, and that's the way it should be treated. Well, and going, leaping, leapfrogging on what Lisa's talking about with words, um, one of the things when you when you work with, with uh, survivors of, of human trafficking and sexual assault, um, they were deemed fast. Mm. You, you a hoe, slut. Um, look at how you dress. Of course, that, that happened to you. Um, calling people pimp in like, you get all the bitches. In a positive way, <laughs> right? You know, um, all of that feeds into violent language that makes uh, the excusing of human trafficking, certainly in this country, all the more reasonable. And it just demeans women, period. Yeah. I mean, the, the 
the adultification of young young girls of color um, and and how quickly we label them. You know, think of how many times you're looking at social media and somebody posts something in an outfit that is that is revealing. And then you look at the comments. Ho, slut, easy, fat, look, you know, I'm sure there might be even a thousand more. Those are the ones that I get. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's more. But it's the idea that if I, if I can devalue you, even in the comment section, that whatever negative happens to you, if your man leaves you, if so-and-so jumps you, you had it coming because you're fast, easy, a hoe, slut. Right? If that dude who, you know, a lot of women are interested in, to, interested in we, we, are, we casually dismiss, you know, call, oh, that's a pen, that's my, that's the, you know, that, you know, he gets, you know, like I said, all, he gets all the bitches. Um, when that same guy exploits, demeans, devalues the women in his life, that's a, that's a, a byproduct of his popularity, right? You had it coming, you should have known. But there is no accountability for the words that we use, how we judge each other, what we call each other, what we casually will say in somebody's comment sections. And you know, all of us, we live and die by our social media. That's how we communicate. And if you understand that, that for vulnerable women and, and men, the things that exist in that comment section are the very things that they are running away from and right into the arms of human traffickers. Think of it that way before we casually are flip about how we talk about each other. It had, those words have much larger meaning. God, it got quiet. <laughs> this is deep. Hey, everybody. In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com backslash on one. Take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you just a little bit better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. And I know y'all are boss. Even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before. This one is specific to our show. So we really need you to take it too. Please do it for me. Be on one with me for this survey, please. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. And if you didn't like Amazon before, you know you like Whole Foods, girl. You know you like Whole Foods, boy. So go ahead and get this $100 Amazon gift card real quick. That's podsurvey.com backslash O-N-O-N-E. That's for On One. Thanks for your help. I appreciate it, y'all. Thank you for listening to On One. Collectively, you guys have over 14 million followers on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. They're mostly hers. <laughs> right. They're all getting it. Um, how do you leverage your influence on social media to empower or uplift women? And what advice do you have for the audience to do the same? Either. Jump in. Um, I don't know. I think I try to put out positivity. I try to inform. I think that my platform really is to inform, make, people, make sure people are educated about what's going on. Um, to me, that's empowering. To me, that is um, equipping, um, which as a result is uplifting. Um, I also probably about two years ago decided I used to get like so hurt, like when the comments would come, because I think our self-empowerment is important to acknowledge as well. The negative comments would come. I'd be like, oh, that hurt so bad. Oh, sorry. 
Sorry about that. I heard, heard the mic. That was just for illustration purposes. Um, but there was one day, there was a girl, a GOP black chick or something. And you know, I just had enough. I just had enough. Lisa's laughing because she knows I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be getting delivered from this, but I'm not set free yet. So she said there was a really, like, I'm still, I'm still just like humbled by this post, but a really nice profile piece done by the Washington Post. I'm making people fall out back there. <laughs> yeah, free um, by the Washington Post, I think around the commemoration of the March on Washington, and they were trying to talk about the new women kind of leaders. Anyway, it was a really nice post. And this heifer, sorry, Chancellor, <laughs> this heifer posted like, Washington Post, great, now you're um, doing profiles on hood rats. <gasps> Ooh. Yes, honey. So, <laughs> so I retorted, please get your Uncle Ruckus mouth out of my feet. And it went kind of viral. And I was like, you know what? That felt good, I think, from now on. <laughs> when somebody hits at me, and I'm not a hood rat, but I'm, I'm I, ethnic. I, my, I have ethnic ways of expressing myself. I don't my, mind using a Beyonce line or outcast line on, on, on air. Like, that is who I am, and if you're gonna call that ratchet, I prefer Sophista Ratchet or Hood Rat. <laughs> like, whatever, but you're not gonna insult me. You're not going to take a moment from me that's mine and designed to be positive and d use it destructively. Like, I'll just be damned if you will. So every now and then I go in on Twitter, I apologize if you've been in the middle of any of that wrath, but it happens. And so I think that part of empowering is taking our power back, reclaiming, reclaiming our time, Congressman Waters. <laughs> Um, and making sure you know, like, I'm just, I'm not the one. I'm just not the one. And hopefully, you all will embrace that as well. Lisa's like, that's not how we're supposed to answer that. When you said GOP something, I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah, GOP like, why, black Why would she even comment on your, anyway. Because she was being messy. And she didn't even mention me in the tweet. She just talked about it. And I went into her mentions and was like, oh. <laughs> They told me about you. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Here, I'll curtsy so I get to be Sophista Ratchet. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, I, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I can't help myself. I have to let people have it every so often. I mean... Thank you. <laughs> but, but somehow, sometimes, um, you know, the best thing you can do to empower another person is to say, I see you. Yeah. I see you. I celebrate you. Um, you know, every, I, I, I started doing um, Women Quest Wednesdays and really legit putting out the women that inspire me, you know, for one reason or another or a thousand, um, giving you guys a little history, especially if it's a woman that I know personally and in our history. Um, and I say, let us lift her up and hold her in the light. Um, because we don't do that enough. We're so, so often we're pitted against each other. So I refuse, I just, I'm just, I can't, like, that's my, I'm like, I can't. I just, I can't, I won't. Um, so I would much rather use my platform to elevate more women because I know in elevating you, it's not dimming me in any way, That's right. you know? And, and I feel fed by shining a bigger light on your accomplishments. So there's nothing that is taken away from me. Um, and I think a lot of times 
we, we feel insecure in uplifting other people, but there's nothing insecure about that. It shows your power that, that you are, you are um, strengthened by another woman's shine. You are inspired by another woman's shine. So I do my, you know, Women Crush Wednesdays, you know, upcoming, this, this week, um, I partner with the WNBA because like I'm, I'm low key, like a big WNBA stan. And, and so, you know, partner with them to shine more of a light on them and, and what great athletes they are and great people and, 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 and women. Um, but there's, you can use, you can be creative. You can do it in any way you want to do it. You can show that women are, are, are very capable of, of eloquent clapbacks um, you know, or sophisticated, you know, you know, and, but also that, that, that female empowerment comes in all forms. It doesn't have to be in a three piece suit. Yeah. I can see the, I can see the, the, the beauty and the joy in black China in the same way that I can see the beauty and the joy in Kamala Harris. It doesn't have to come in a certain package in order for it to be appropriate or, or worthy of our, of our shine and our praise. We got to let that go. You know what I mean? And I, I would think that, that most of us women, when, uh, you know, when we are inclined to comment on other women's posts, um, we, we probably haven't always been as kind as we should be either. And, and that's something that we women often do, and and I know for myself, I've really tried to make an, a conscious effort to not um, be nasty, just you know, about surface things to other women um, on social media, because it's so much easier to do that than to, than to be kind. Um, and and for me, I, I try to do similar things, and I you know I I, I have sort of a different profile for the different social media outlets. Um, but my way of empowering people is to try and pose questions um, and try and solicit people's opinions about different things that are happening. Because to me, uh, allowing people to really think on for themselves is the most empowering thing that, that, that people can do for themselves and for each other. Um, that was good. You can clap. I, want to <laughs> I think... I often wonder when we look at especially reality shows on television, um, women-based reality shows, particularly women of color, where we are somewhat pitted against each other, where that drama is what fuels the show, and those people are also looked upon as, as role models to a younger generation. Um, do you think we are doing enough when we are trying to uplift and empower? Um, is that enough to combat what we're seeing in the media when it comes to women? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think, um, so I just have to be honest. This is a personal struggle. I probably, I haven't watched it in a little bit, but I do watch too much reality TV. Um, I love loving hip hop and I love um, Real Housewives of Atlanta and I love Basketball Wives because of Tammy Roman. Um, and Evelyn, Evelyn, that's my girl. We just did hip hop squares together the other day, but I digress. The point is, <laughs> Evelyn is set free. She didn't take no bottles to anybody's head recently. So I think, listen, um, that's really hard. So here's, here's what I will say. The one thing I appreciate about reality TV and that platform now is it's given people who we ordinarily would have never heard about, Cardi B, um, a platform. Do I like the way in which um, we are often portrayed? No. 
And I have to be honest with you in saying if I binge watch any of it, something about my spirit man doesn't feel all the way together um, or spirit woman. But I uh, I'm really torn. I, have, I just don't want to lie to y'all. Like, I feel very hypocritical about this because there are things that I really appreciate about it. And I like follow some of them on social media because I love them. Or like, Portia, who said that? Like, you know, or Candy, who I love and I've met. Like. So it's just, it's hard because I do feel like these are people who like I adore as human beings now. I appreciate what the platform has done, but I really wish it wasn't so much fighting um, and in also, some instances. Yeah. And then there are times where they are telling like real stories, like cancer survivor stories. And I'm just, I'm torn. Yeah. That's not my real life. I don't know whose real life it is. And it's not their real life. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that was one of the biggest things when I first started watching, um, at Real uh, Housewives of Atlanta, because I knew some of the girls, and like first of all, Sheree, she like Sheree Whitfield had one of the dopest boutiques in Atlanta. So the whole fashion thing that wasn't something that was made up for the show. That was she was legit. Uh, like she put me onto so many brands that I'd never heard of. She elevated my my thing, you know, my style, you know, leaps and bounds. Um, but what it what it became for a lot of people, certainly post divorce, was another revenue stream was a way to feed their families, was a way to, um, to, to, to pay for their life. And what, very quickly, you, they, they realized in order to get more camera time, which then led to more money, a higher check, they had to create storylines. Because yeah. they were all friends. Like, everybody like, knows each other. But in order to create the, the ratings and the storylines and interest in your storyline, you got to amp it up. you got to put on a, a facade. You know what I mean? If you meet Evelyn in real life, she's chill. So chill. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a chill. She's, she's a mom. She's, you know. But at, at the end of the day, you know, people, people are trying to make a living. So I will never poo-poo how anybody makes, you know, a legal living. Um, you know, the flip side is I, I wish more people. Legal living. Legal living. <laughs> I just, I do wish more people knew their whole struggle and who they were yeah. in real life. Because what you guys are seeing are cre characters that they've created um, to sustain storylines. Um, and it's not always very accurate to who they are in real life. And so many of those women are good women, dope women, people that you would want to see coming. But on the show, you're like, Ooh, oh, no, you know, um, and it's not it's not always accurate. I agree. Striving to do right, my people are warriors All we know is the fight, praying to see God And everything all right, yeah Who are my children of the light? Striving to do right, my people are warriors All we know is the fight, praying to see God And everything all right, yeah Now call me the youngest daughter I say I'm just my father's daughter Like Christ, my body beating But I refuse to holler Won't give them the satisfaction But I let the tears flow Steady praying for them, Father Forgive them, they don't know that the revolution will not be televised. Twitter, Facebook, excuse me as I scrutinize. Out of the mouth of this babe comes perfected praise. As if you needed a sound, we 